Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. My being angry never used to scare me. Other people, yes. Me, uh uh-uh. And I learned to be angry at a really young age because it was the only way I ever was heard in my family. And unfortunately, it didn't really serve me then. And in fact, I actually developed a reputation for being angry. But like so many people, my anger was a defense. No one could get close enough to hurt me, or so I thought. I fell in love, got angry, and they left. So not really a solution to the whole not get hurt thing. But luckily, the last time I fell in love and got angry, he didn't leave. He just asked me to handle it differently. And there began my journey to controlling my anger instead of having it control me. So I know that it's possible. And anger and its effects on us and our relationship is what we're going to be talking about today. And to help with this discussion, I'm joined by author and clinical psychologist, Dr. Kelly Flanagan. Kelly, thanks so much for coming back on the show and talking about what is, one, an ever-present problem, and two, right now really highlighted in our world. So thanks so much. Oh yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. And yes, it couldn't it couldn't be a more timely discussion right now, could it? <laughs> no. So because you know, back in back I think it was in August. I think it was a blog you wrote that showed up in August. You wrote about anger, yeah. and you you specifically identified four different kinds of anger. Who knew there were different kinds? You did. But anyway, <laughs> so can you first talk a little bit about? what anger actually is and what makes it problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think the assumption is that anger is problematic. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes, that comes more from some of the ways that we, we sort of let anger be in charge of us rather than us being in charge of it. So some of the ways yeah. that we end up expressing anger could be really problematic. You, uh, you're, you're kind to be vulnerable in the introduction and, and explain one of those ways yourself, being angry in a uh-huh. way that sort of drives people away. And here your goal is to end up being in close, in a sense of safety with somebody, and instead right. you end up feeling alone, and which is obviously not the goal of the relationship. So, yeah, it's that expression of anger. You know, I hope, I hope this isn't um, too immature, but uh, one of my favorite one of the favorite lessons I learned about anger um, was this was probably was it 2015 where this mo- this great movie called um, Inside Out came out a Disney uh-huh. animated film did, did you ever see it Oh yeah it's a great movie Yeah great movie um, it's about it's about what's going on in this little girl's head and these five emotions and how they're they're sort of at they, at first these emotions are working at odds with each other and one of the emotions is anger um, mm-hmm. and. I, I remember reading an article shortly after that movie came out, and this is what struck me about it. And they said um, it's the first animated kids film um, that the author could identify, and I think it's true, where there wasn't a villain. There was no villain. Um, the, right. the plot was right. The plot was driven by not fighting back against a villain, but helping this this little girl learning how to get all of her emotions working together. Um, and so sometimes I think 
anger becomes a problem because we turn it into a villain. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we think it's the bad guy that we aren't allowed to feel that we, you know, we should hide or stuff down or whatever. And then I think on the other side of it, honestly, it becomes a problem because we sort of turn it into our superhero. You know, we, it's strong and it's powerful and we, we use it to, to get things done in the world. Um, but mm-hmm. in a way that ultimately isn't healthy. And so, so I think the, I think the idea here is instead of making anger our villain or our superhero, it's how do we just acknowledge that anger is an emotion amongst other emotions. Um, and, okay. the, and, and as an emotion, it's information. It's information about what's mattering to us, what we fear, what we want, um, what's hurting. And, and if we can sort of be curious about it as, as information, then we can learn mm-hmm. from it and learn what to do, what to do with it. Yeah, and I, and I love that because, you know, that's one of the things that I always talk with my clients about is especially um, a lot of the men I work with who, who, don't, who don't like the whole concept of emotion. They find emotion to be, you know, illogical. I feel like I'm, you know, like, like, like Mr. Spock in Star Trek. It's illogical and, and, and it's not right. helpful. But, but emotion actually is, a, is I, I don't like using the word primitive, but, but for lack of a better word, you know, it, it's the primitive brain's way of giving us information that we really need to have right now without having to spend time thinking about it. And, right. You know, and, right. So, and so I love the idea of people becoming curious about it, about, you know, what is this, what's happening. Yes. You know, I remember, right. you know, and, and anybody who's a parent probably remembers screaming at their kid at some point in time because their kid was doing something dangerous and, and the parent was afraid. I mean, I remember my, when my son was little, we were at a gas station and he was going to the bathroom and instead of looking as he crossed mm-hmm. you know, over, he wasn't, and there was this car and I just, and I just screamed at him, you know, and you know, because I was terrified he was going to get hit. I mean, but it, to anybody who heard me who didn't see the situation would have thought, wow, that mom is really out of control. So, I mean, that was just like that, that, <laughs> right. you know, that primitive anger of, oh, my God, my, this person who I care about so much is about to get killed. Yeah, and yeah. I think you're making a really good point, which is, you know, when someone says that anger is illogical, I, I would my, – my response – to something like that is often to say, absolutely it is. Um, There are all all sorts of data. There's data that comes from logic, and there's data Mm -hmm. that comes from feeling and intuition. And uh, and so, yeah, so anger is part of the illogical data. But if you tell me that you only value logical data and not all the rest of the data that's going on within us all the time, then you're missing out on a lot of Mm -hmm. your human experience, and you actually aren't going to be super informed about why you're, you're choosing to do the things that you do how you're reacting to people. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's, like, let's welcome in the rest of the data so that we can understand ourselves and others better. Yeah, and I love that. So, let's, so, so I want to tackle, you know, start, start going into the four types of anger that you talk about. And the first type of anger that you identify is something you call defensive anger. And so what is it? What are the, what are the symptoms or I should say characteristics of defensive anger? And how does it create challenges in our relationships? Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned that um, you hadn't seen anger broken down into four types. Um, I was actually giving a, a talk um, at an event earlier this year before 
uh, COVID hit. Actually, the last thing uh, I did before COVID hit, and uh, and my wife was at it. Fortunately, and, and uh, you know, she she kind of challenged me after one question I had about anger to to get a little more specific. And actually, that's where this these four types came from. As we talked about it, she's a child psychologist, and she sort of helped <laughs> helped me parse it out. <laughs> uh huh. Which is really good to help to help for, for, you know to help children understand not just children but all of us to understand anger. And that's, honestly, that's, I, I give her an awful lot of credit because I think that's where she was coming from that child developmental perspective and saying, like, hey, uh, not all anger is defensive anger. Sometimes kids have anger because they're frustrated, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a minute. But mm-hmm. the defensive anger piece, you've already actually started to do a really great job of introducing um, in, in your introduction. Uh, so uh, I, I think of defensive anger like this. I think that we all come into the world with a true self that is, is good and beautiful and worthy of love and belonging. And at some point, all of us begin to doubt that when we, when okay. we encounter a message um, that is called shame. And, and shame is the message we, each of us get that we yeah. are not worthy of love and belonging exactly the way we are, right? Um, yeah. And so we get, most of us as kids, we get that shame message um, pretty early on in life, whether it's from a parent who might be doing the best that they can or peers or you know, teachers or whatever, and so what we do as kids is we start to develop, you know, basically kids are smart. They go, okay, if my true self isn't good enough to earn me love and belonging, mm-hmm. then I'm going, to build a, I'm going to build a self that is. I'm going to build a false self that will get me that love and belonging or at least yeah. protect me from more of this shame stuff, more of this hurt, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I talk about how um, we go through a process. Really, we had three components to our, our false self. One is the, the sort of the walls that we hide behind. Um, uh-huh. And you see those walls developing kids early in life, third, fourth, fifth grade. They start to put their true self away and try to blend into their peer you know, groups uh, so that uh-huh. they fit in. Then eventually, usually around middle school to high school, we start to add that more angry, aggressive, defensive anger component to the false self. Like, a, hey, like you said in your introduction, um, you know, the best defense is a good offense, like strike first yep. before you get hurt, those sorts of things, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And this false self isn't bad. I mean, it's protecting you. It's, it's you know, it's doing right. what you think it needs to do to, to stay safe. It's not a bad thing, but... Um, it can have negative consequences, as you pointed out. Like, the goal is to belong, and yet you end up lonelier than ever. Um, right. And, yeah, it gets uh, lonely right. behind so, that wall that you build up. Mm-hmm. It gets, right. It gets, you know, the, the more, uh, yeah, as you hide behind that wall and fire cannons at people from the top of it, <laughs> like a castle, it is an unpopulated place. You're, you're left alone <laughs> in there with your shame, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I think when I talk about defensive anger, I'm talking about that. Um, and it almost just becomes this, like, it's an ingrained habitual way of responding to potential threats. Um, it, and usually relational threats. Um, yeah. and, and it, and it just becomes sort of like the, 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 the way of coping, uh, with your own experience of shame and trying to prevent more experiences of it in relationships. And so it's, it's very common. I don't know too many people who don't carry around some defensive anger. And, uh, mm-hmm. and even those who look like they don't, it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if they don't feel it and learn what to do with it, then it can cause um, all sorts of other complications with life. So, yeah, that's, that's what I think I, think I mean by defensive anger. Yeah, and this is one of those things where, you know, I'm thinking about what happens with a lot of couples where they'll, they'll try to start to solve some kind of problem or address some kind of issue, and they end up in this 
you know, def- you know, defensive counterattack, counter defensive right. thing where, you know, it's like, well, you did this or, you know, it's like, you know, the, I always tell people, please try to eliminate the word you from your vocabulary unless mm-hmm. it's I love you, you're wonderful, I'm glad you're in my life. But the why did you, you did, you always, you never. Yes. And then, of course, that's going to that's going to trigger this defensive anger. It's like. I do not. And, oh, by the way, you do X and Y. It's like, oh, gosh, stop. (laughs) Oh, it's such a great point that, like, your defensive anger will trigger someone else's, and then things sort of escalate from there. In my book, Lovable, I actually call this part of us that comes to our defense, our bodyguard. You know, it's like our mm-hmm. inner bodyguard that was like you, you hired a long time ago to defend you, <laughs> and it's just doing its job. And now if you really want to be in a relationship, you have to be like, all right, bodyguard, at stand down. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'll call on you if I need you, but I, I need to stay connected and vulnerable right now, not angry and defensive. Yeah, and, that's, and, and that I really think is one of the challenges to, to defensive anger is that it, it makes it impossible to connect, or at least it makes it really yes. difficult to connect, which is yes. – which is what, you know, one, we all want individually in our relationships, but I think the whole world needs to do a much better job of letting go of the yes. defense anger, you know. And, and it is. It, it, it can be very, very difficult, especially when, my, when, when I'm triggered to be able to take a deep breath and go, okay, what's this about both with me and with the other person, mm. which is like, again, <clears throat> How do we do this? <laughs> Absolutely. But. Yep. Yep. You know, and I think like, yeah, there's, there's really no self-reflection in defensive anger. It's actually sort of a heady mm-hmm. thing. Like it, it feels really good to, mm-hmm. and powerful to be in that position. And that's, that's why you're doing it so that you don't feel so vulnerable and, and at risk. And, uh, and so in the moment, in the moment where you choose to observe that defensive anger rather than act out on it, Something really mm-hmm. amazing is happening within you. Because when you think about it, if it's your false self that's feeling angry and expressing mm-hmm. it, then what's the part of you observing it? And, and, and the reality is that's your true self. That's the, the, the self that you came into the world with. So in the moment that you, you observe your defensive anger, don't act on it, and become curious about it, you're actually mm-hmm. returning to and inhabiting that true self you had from the beginning. And that's the part of you that is capable of vulnerability and connection and intimacy and closeness. So something really powerful happens in that moment of observation. Well, that sounds like there's 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 hope then. So I just want to remind you that I just want to remind you that this is happily ever after. It's just the beginning on WebTalkRadio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking anger with author and clinical psychologist Dr. Kelly Flanagan. And anger comes in many shapes and sizes, and as you're going to find out, it isn't all bad. But if it's taken up residence in your home, it can be a problem. The defensive anger that we were just discussing plays a huge role in hijacking conversations and turning them into fights, but it actually doesn't have to be that way. You can learn how to handle it in a much more productive way, and if you're ready to know how, I can help. So please give me a call or send me an email to schedule your Stop Fighting Now strategy session. You can reach me by email at leslie. L-E-S-L-I at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and is at Nancy, C is in Charlie.com, or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And now I want to get back to um, Kelly and talking about some other types of anger that exist. 
And two of the other types that you mentioned are frustrated anger and scared anger, which to me are similar, but they are different. So can you define each one? Yes, absolutely. Um, so frustrated, so it's funny, like I was actually presenting on defensive anger at that conference that I mentioned. And, uh, mm-hmm. and one, of, one of the um, participants at the conference, you know, during a Q&A session asked me, like, so this defensive anger, you said it really gets rolling around middle school, but like my three-year-old's angry all the time. Like, <laughs> does my face three-year-old have a, a, you know, are they precocious when it comes to having a false self and this defensive <laughs> anger? And I, and I said no, but I didn't give a very good answer. And that's when my wife came in and said, you know, he's right. Like kids experience anger all the time, but it's more of a frustrated anger. So what frustrated anger is, is I've got a goal. And there's some sort of barrier in the way of me getting to it. And that's frustrating uh-huh. to me. You know, kids are experiencing uh-huh. this all the time, right? right. Um, I mean, the classic, the classic example that we all know, and, you know, is you're walking through the supermarket checkout line and there's a big row of candy bars and a kid wants it and a parent says no and the kid gets angry. Right. <clears throat> they're frustrated. <laughs> they have a frustration. That's their goal is to get that Milky Way. <laughs> and right. their parent is in the way of doing that. And, and, and at that age, for kids, most of the world is in the way of, of getting what they want. They don't have a lot of control. And so there's a lot of frustrated anger in childhood, but we also carry that forward into adulthood. You know, like I'm, say I'm working on a blog post and I'm almost finished and I, and I maybe I'm working in Microsoft Word and I've forgotten to save for a while and um, I'm almost to the end of it and Word crashes. Right? Yep. I have to start mm-hmm. all over. This is frustrated <laughs> anger, right? I was so close right. to my goal. And then this this thing happened and got in the way. So, um, so yeah, that's that's more what I mean by by frustrated anger. And you know, the the importance I think of of identifying these four types isn't just an understanding, but knowing how to respond. So, for instance, if a kid or the little maybe the little kid inside of you is frustrated about something, um, it, it means there's a goal um, that uh-huh. is being frustrated and they're not reaching. So the question is, hey, what are you wanting that you can't get? right now. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And is there a way that we could problem solve and help you get it in a productive way? Um, and if not, what can we do to sort of accept like right now that we just can't have everything? <laughs> that you're not going to get that <laughs> right. <far. Yeah. laughs> right. Like you're, you're not going to get it. Or, you know, like let's, let's negotiate. We'll buy it. And if you eat all your fruits and vegetables at dinner tonight, you can have half of it for a snack, you know? And right. so that's mm-hmm. the problem solving piece. Um, and sometimes the answer is no. And frustration tolerance is a good thing to learn and you can help them with that. But, and then mm-hmm. as adults, we obviously need to, to be able to identify Learn that well. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's frustrated anger. Scared anger is more, um, it's this idea that we have, um, we have a nervous system that is wired to arouse us um, at, if there's a threat to us in, in the immediate uh-huh. environment. And this is, this is, you also spoke to this earlier, right? The kid uh-huh. is about to cross the street and go into traffic or touch a hot stove. Um, uh-huh. These real primal threats to us. And, and our nervous system is wired to arouse us in that moment to do one of two things. Um, and those two things are to get scared and to run away from the threat or to get angry. That's what the arousal is used for, to then get angry and sort of fight the the threat. Um, And so when this sort of anger is present, you can almost always notice that it's it's one side of a coin and right away on the other side, you'll discover that there's there's fear. Um, I remember, Uh gosh, our oldest was probably three and we were at a big outdoor festival. And one moment Mm. he was right next to me and the next moment he was gone. Right. Oh my God. And yeah. I've, oh, 
and it lasted about three minutes until we found him and the fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sure enough, I find him and we're safe now. <laughs> right. And I'm, I've hugged him and I looked at him and he's sort of smiling at me. And then I'm like, don't ever walk away from us, you know, like that again. Yeah. And there's, uh-huh. there's my scared anger, right? The flip side uh-huh. of that arousal is to, to, um, to sort of engage and, and fight the threat. Um, and so, so yeah, so the, the, frust- the, the frustrated anger is prevention of a goal. The scared, the scared anger is just the flip side of a fear, a threat to, okay. to our, our sense of well-being. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and just as you're notating, you know, as you're noting these differences, you know, I'm, again, I've, I've shared some examples. You shared some examples. I think, I think we all can come up with examples of, you know, oh, I was scared, or oh, I was frustrated, or oh, I, you know, felt attacked. I mean, you know, and, and, and again, this is information about us, what matters to us, what's, in, you know, um, and, then, and then, of course, the big thing is, is what do we do with it? Um, right. You know, and, and again, uh, it's like anything else, knowledge is power. When we understand what's driving something, that's when we are given the opportunity right. to do something different with it. Yep. Um, and, and that kind of brings me to this last type of anger that you mentioned, this, that you call righteous anger. And, you know, what do you mean by righteous anger? <laughs> um, I, um, I'm stuck between saying one more thing about the uh, – let me say one more thing about uh, scared anger, and then we'll jump into okay. that. Scared, scared, scared anger, um, I, I think there's – I think it can be really helpful um, in relationships when someone that we love is acting angry to remember that, say, you know, say you're faced with a, say you're faced with a a tiger out in the front yard or something. You can do two (laughs) things. You can get scared, you can get scared and run, or you can get angry and fight it. Right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But if your partner, if your friend, if your companion appears to be getting angry and fighting, it's because they don't want to leave. Right. They don't want to act scared and disengage and leave. Um, so you can actually see in their anger a little bit of commitment to, to you uh-huh. that they're, oh, cool. they're, they're not sure what to do with this arousal. They don't want to leave, but they, they don't mm-hmm. feel safe staying either. And so they're having to, to act out in a more aggressive way. Um, so I think you can begin to look for the fear underneath the anger mm-hmm. and you can do so kind of uh, being grateful for the, their, their interest in, in staying and not just sort of exiting. So I did want to say that in terms of yeah, application. Absolutely. but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but righteous anger. So the idea here with righteous anger, remember I mentioned this idea that we all come into the world with a true self and then we get shamed uh-huh. and we build a false self. Righteous anger is what happens at the moment of that shame for most young children. Um, it's, the mo- it's the moment where a kid who doesn't question their worthiness at all, all of a sudden gets shamed and mistreated uh-huh. and gets angry. Like, I, d- I deserve to be treated better than that. Like, uh-huh. I, I don't right. deserve, I don't deserve that. This isn't fair. This isn't right. Mm. And, mm-hmm. a, and that mm-hmm. righteous anger actually connects us with our true self in a way. So one of the things I often find myself doing with clients is helping them connect with their righteous anger. Cause if we can, we're really close to reconnecting with their true self. The part of them that goes, I deserve to be treated, to be treated better than this. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I get asked, I get asked a lot. Well, how do you know if it's righteous anger coming from your true <laughs> self or defensive anger coming from your false self? And, right. and the answer to that, the answer to that is that righteous anger um, always sees the worthiness and the value in everyone else too. Defensive anger tends to separate us and say, hey, 
I'm, I'm defending because I'm better than you or I deserve safety more than you. But righteous anger, there's a justice orientation to it that says, hey, I deserve to be treated better than this. And hey, you deserve to be treated well, too. Like, we all deserve to be treated well. What are we doing here? You know? I, okay. Um, so I, love, a, I love that distinction. An, yeah, there's an expansiveness to it. There's a, this isn't just about me sticking up for myself. This is me sticking up for everybody who's not being treated well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, there's a righteous, not a self-righteousness to it, but a true, authentic, good righteousness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you're talking, it reminds me of, of um, the late Representative John Lewis's Good Trouble. You know, his mom would tell him not to get into trouble. He goes, no, mom, just good trouble. That's which is that righteous yeah. anger on behalf, not of, of other people. It's, what, it's right. what we all feel when we see, you know, when we see something not okay happening around right. us. It's, it's that, yes. you know, it's that righteous anger that, um, that comes into play. But, I, but you know, but I, I love the idea because, you know, we, we think about, we, we think about things, you know, not being fair for our for ourselves, and it, and it does. It triggers that little kid of, you know, I don't have any power. I don't, you know, this isn't fair. Why is this happening? Right. Um, but that's again just information to take to take a bigger look at what's going on. And I like the okay. I like the idea of you know, righteous anger is nobody should be treated this way, versus right. defensive anger of I shouldn't be treated this way. That's right. Yeah, the, the the natural action that flows from defensive anger is to go on the attack, um, mm-hmm. but the natural action that flows from righteous anger is to defend oneself and everybody else. Um, and uh, and so it can be pretty pretty quickly and easily distinguished within us. You'll you'll notice if you're if you're looking at that that sort of reaction within you, you'll you'll notice the instinct. And mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. I think we I think that's what we're needing more right now of, of leaders in the public square is as leaders with that righteous anger that are going to start some good trouble rather than just right. useless trouble. <laughs> so, so do you have any suggestions about how people can become more curious about their, you know, not only definitely about their own anger, but also about other people's anger? You know, mm. what, mm-hmm. what would, what would be helpful because, you know, because, as, as opposed to getting caught up, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment, how do we yep. call upon our higher selves? What, what, what are some things people could do? Well, I mean, creating that moment of pause and reaction is, is the most important. And, and I don't think, you know, just that moment of pause to, to make a choice, to, be, to, okay. to choose to be curious about another person's anger, to ask the question about, of them about their anger, to, to spend some mm. time con, you know, contemplating and reflecting on our own anger. But you have to be able to create that moment of choice. And I don't think it's possible to just one day turn that on. I, I don't think mm. it's, it's possible to just say, oh, okay, I'm going to start creating a moment of choice when I get angry. I think, I think it requires a lot of practice. And, and one of the tools that you know, we as as therapists use a lot these days in doing so is, is a regular practice of, of mindfulness or meditation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know that I know I could almost guarantee you somebody that is, is um, genuinely practicing, you know, mindfulness or meditation, say 10 to 20 minutes a day, 
is going to begin to naturally be able to create that moment of choice when the anger arises in themselves or somebody else. Um, and so, so to me, that's the, that's, it's like, it's sort of like, uh, the moment of anger is game time and uh, the mindfulness practice is, is the practice in, in preparation for that moment so that your reactions are natural at that point uh, yeah. to slow down and to ask questions and be curious rather than forced. So, um, so I, that, that'd be my encouragement to folks is to be considering those sorts of practices to cultivate this ability to pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, and, and, and it can be very difficult, like you said, to, to try to do it in the moment because, because, our bodies are really wired. I mean, and I loved you bringing up that, that the way that our, our body is naturally built for arousal because that's a survival mechanism. And when I talk with my clients, I, I tell them, I said, once that cascade starts in your body, your body, has, your body has no idea what the cause of it is, so they don't really right. know whether the threat is actually real. There's a tiger on your front lawn. Or if, right. or if the threat is, is more from shame or, or something that's, you know, but, but, mm-hmm. but our body is going to react the way it reacts. And it's very difficult in that moment to pull back. Um, it's, and it's, so, yeah, and, you're actually, we, we, we are here. We've survived because we're designed <laughs> to react quickly in that moment without thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like that's what the arousal is actually b- about. It's it's sending blood to the areas of your body and that it's going to need to react quickly. It's shutting down other areas like digestion shuts down because you don't need that when you're reacting quickly to a threat. And so mm-hmm. everything everything about your natural being is is compelling you to just respond quickly without thought. And uh, and so you're you're sort of exiting the natural part of you and you're entering mm-hmm. into the more conscious part of you. And, and practicing um, slowing that process down. And so it does require practice, yeah. So like you said, it's just yeah. not going to happen naturally. And, you know, I, I, you know, I liken it to, like, the military or the, the police and fire, that they're actually, they actually have to be trained to run into danger when all the rest of us are running the heck away. Right. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going into that burning building. Are you crazy? That's a but, great but, metaphor, Yes. You know, and and they and they are trained. They they train all the time for this, and we think that we're just going to be able to to do this. And and so I love the idea that you know, one, we actually can do this, but but it has to be intentional. We have to want to do it. Um, yep. So so Kelly, thank you so much. Can you please share um, your website where people can read more about? you know, these, these yeah. very foundational life things that you write about all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So people can go to my website at drkellyflanagan.com. It's D-R-K-E-L-L-Y-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N, all, all A's and single N's, drkellyflanagan.com. And, uh, and actually you can, um, well, you, you, through that website, you get access to my first book, Lovable, which is, uh, as I mentioned here today, talks quite a lot about that true self, false self, and, and the protections, the defenses that we build. Um, you can also pre-order my, my next book, True Companions, which comes out in February. And there's actually a chapter in that book called Anger, which is about uh, the more scared uh, side of anger <laughs> and its relational implications. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and then you'll notice at the top of the page a place where you can subscribe for my, my monthly, I call it my help letter instead of newsletter. And, uh, uh-huh. and, in that, uh, and, and with that um, subscription, you'll get a free copy of my, um, my book, which is called, it's a self-published ebook called You're Even Closer Than You Think. Um, and it's about that whole process of, 
uh, reclaiming our true self and, and living from it in our relationships and in our lives. And I love that because, yes, we, we do this all the time. And, you know, anger, as we said before, is an emotion. It's not a behavior. And like all emotions, it can teach you something about yourself if you're willing to learn. And it can only control you if you let it. It can only cause damage if you let it. Life events may indeed invite it in, but you're the one who decides to let it out. So the question becomes, what responsibility will you take? And I hope that what you'll do is continue to listen to this show and listen to my wonderful guests and be able to build a much healthier and happier life and marriage. So until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.